Howlighting is a globally distributed line of wirelessly controlled underwater LED lighting and controls for pools, spas, landscapes, water features, and outdoor accent lighting. Our passion is to be able to light up any space, whether it's a pool or spa, an outdoor living area, or anything else in between. The result is the most powerful, reliable, and diverse line of wirelessly controlled lights in the aquatics industry that are fully compatible with today's major pool automation systems. Light up the night with PAL Lighting. Ready to learn more? Visit us on the web today at pallighting.com. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today, I've got industry veteran Jason Jovag, president and CEO of Hammerhead Aquatics with us. It's a pleasure to have you with us today on the show, Jason. Hey, great to be here. Now, I know you've been in the aquatic glazing field for some time. I mean, can you give us an overview of your background and perhaps a 10,000 foot overview of what Hammerhead Aquatics is all about? Yeah, sure, no problem. So I started out in this industry very young, 1997, 1999, started doing small aquariums in the Las Vegas area, working for another company, slowly started to kind of dabble into the acrylic window installations for swimming pools. And the first project right out of the gate was an absolute disaster. So we've, we've grown and learned a lot over my 25, 26 years of being in this industry. We've done quite a bit of, of interesting things since then. Well, tell me, how does the work that your firm doing, how is it instrumental in some of the high-end luxury pools and spas we see being built today? So we've been kind of on the forefront, uh, myself and my team has been for years, right? So for me, I've always been on the edge of, okay, let's take on a project that may seem a little bit out of touch or might be out of the realm. We've been kind of part of a bunch of very big marquee projects that kind of launched the pool window industry, at least for us, and kind of gotten a lot of notoriety from some of these projects over the years. I think the first one that really caught fire was a project that we did out in Houston. We knew it was going to be an exciting project. I didn't know it was going to catch fire as quickly as it did. It all actually started from a travel blogger. Actually shot a, a travel YouTube video of himself walking out into one of the pools that we had done, 55 stories over the air, and, and he kind of walked the whole perimeter as this acrylic window cantilevered off the side of the building about 12 and a half feet. And as he looked down, all you could see was straight down to the pavement below. And I remember that evening when it actually went live, I didn't know anything about it. And instantly started getting phone calls and messages from friends and family, as well as, you know, media outlets saying, hey, what is this? We need to get information. And, you know, that that video basically went viral. It was one of the very early pool windows that did go viral. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know the exact project you're talking about. You're talking about the Market Square Tower in uh, Houston. I remember reading about it in Business Insider, CNN, and a bunch of other places. Yeah, like I said, I was having friends and family tell me, hey, you're, you know, it's on CNN, you're on Apple News, you're on this, you're on that. And I was like, you know, we weren't known as the builder at that time. It was kind of showcasing the item. And then people started trying to get the back feed and the backstory of who actually produced it, where it came from. We introduced our manufacturer. We talked about the size of the window, the overall thickness, the weight, the complexity of the project, and how it being one of the very first kind in the United States. There have been a couple of other ones that were done outside of the States, but they didn't nearly get the attraction or notoriety that that project did. Yeah, it kind of started the whole trend there with those acrylic pools on top of skyscrapers. I mean, after that, we started seeing stuff like Sky Pool come out 
And then there was another incredible project that they just did in China that's very similar to that that Houston project that you worked on. So you kind of set the mold there, huh? Yeah, it was one of the early on groundbreaking projects from the cantilever cool style, right? So, I mean, we've done things since then in Miami and down in Aquilina, down in Sunny Isles. I think we're seeing more and more the trend that we're starting to see is a lot of these high-rise units. Yeah, most of them do have a, a big, huge amenity package that they offer to the residents as well as the guests. However, there's something intimate about being able to go out on your own balcony as you're 40 or 50 stories in the air to be able to enjoy a swim and be able to kind of gaze off to the horizon and be able to have that private moment with you and your family. So we are starting to see that trend a lot more where it used to be a one-off on the amenity deck or, or potentially two pools. It's not uncommon now where we're seeing 10 to 30 pools being done on, on these individual complexes. That's incredible. I mean, sure, we've seen your work in zoos, aquariums, and of course, in luxury swimming pools. I know you operate in various regions around the world. I mean, how do you navigate and adapt to the unique challenges and opportunities presented by the different markets and various types of projects that you guys work on? Yeah, I think the international is always the toughest, right? Especially where it's a market we haven't been in before. And where we're starting to deal with interpreters that we have to, to deal with. We have to train and educate new contractors on what we require in order to make sure the window is seated and sealed correctly. So there's a lot of learning and kind of a learning curve and education that goes into us doing these out in other markets. It's not something that we have not taken on. We've done projects in, in mainland China. We've done projects in Hong Kong. We've done projects along the same lines in the Dominican Republic. And stateside is the same thing. You know, if we're starting to deal with a new builder in the United States that we're having to train and educate, we run through the same kind of process. However, the international dynamic does, you know, whether it's a language barrier or logistics challenges of getting the windows actually up to the building. There's a lot of different things that come into play when we are working in a new market, whether it be domestic or internationally. Sure. I mean, we're connected on social media, so I always see that you're always traveling to consult to one project or another. I mean, outside of the, the swimming pool field, what are some other interesting projects or career milestones you've had while working in this field? I mean, so many. You know, we've been part of a lot of different projects, again, globally, that have gotten a lot of notoriety. We've been part of what we consider these large mega windows or on-site bonded windows that the manufacturer comes to these uh, international locations where we're actually setting windows that are anywhere from 200,000 to 400,000 pounds, ranging from 18 inches thick to all the way up to 28 inches thick. So they do have a lot of different challenges. I'm actually out right now in Boise, Idaho, working for uh, Shields Sporting Goods Store. And they've got a very unique concept as you walk into their entrance of their stores where you actually walk through an immersive experience through an acrylic aquarium. So it's three cylinder aquariums. And then there's a large bonded assembly that goes over the top of this. All this stuff is produced here in the United States. And Shields looks to be a good partner. They are developing new stores annually, which is great. I mean, we love being part of new and cutting edge things. Pushing the boundaries a little bit has kind of been the thing that we've always been not shy of taking on new projects. That sounds awesome. How does Hammerhead Aquatics partner with the pool industry? In what regard does your company come into play as a consultant? Yeah, I mean, we help out a lot with, you know, front-end engineering. We do some design work. We do a lot of different consulting. I've been part of educational classes and podcasts for various different educational groups from Genesis 3 to the Ask the Masters, Watershapes University. A lot of these people, they look to us as industry experts to kind of give information to one, keep the contractors out of harm's way, 
A lot of the times, most of the stuff that's being bid for pools typically is done by the square foot. And I get this question a lot, like, okay, how much is this a square foot? And unfortunately, you know, the acrylic and the complexity of the material is not priced that way. It's not like a tile. It's not like a plaster. It's not like a shotcrete, right? So I tell people, kind of caution them, don't take a past project that we may not worked on together and use that as a benchmark moving forward because you can end up getting in trouble really, really quick. Right. right. Well, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, Jason. I mean, sustainability is the buzzword of the aught 2000 era, and it's a growing concern globally. I mean, how does Hammerhead Aquatics integrate environmental responsibility and sustainability practices into its operation and its products? So depending on the projects we're on, so there's a lot of lead, you know, as far as recycling programs on larger general construction sites that we participate in, right? And then also from us, from a manufacturing standpoint, there is a recycling program for acrylic that allows to be able to basically repurpose the material and reuse it again. So we've been looking at that long-term, again, like you mentioned, sustainability is always a thing, right? And as the world turns and we get these new environmental challenges, I think that the manufacturers that we work with, as well as some of our internal processes, have kind of been gauging this for years. We try to recycle our material as often as possible, whether it be drop stock inventory, material that we have left over or remnants from other projects. That gets saved, it gets cleaned. All of our material is really sought after because it is a cast acrylic. Um, so it's of the pure quality. So it's actually easier to be broken down and used for other items. It doesn't necessarily get recycled and repurposed for our type of industry, but it does get reprocessed for signage. It does get processed for other acrylic applications. You know, innovation in today's business landscape is really crucial. I mean, how do you foster a culture of innovation at Hammerhead? You know, trying to be cautious and cognizant of what's going on with the client, right? So again, we go back to some of these multi-window projects where a lot of times we're kind of dealing with a variety of different sizes for some of these balconies, for example. We try to help the design team as well as the contractor kind of, hey, say, let's, let's streamline this. Let's try to come up with a project where we don't have so much waste. It does a couple of things, right? It simplifies the overall build. It simplifies what our requirements are for the rebate. And then it also minimizes loss from a manufacturing standpoint. So we try to help them design the window and the view for the most utilization out of a sheet that we can actually get. So for example, some of our standard sheets, you know, range anywhere from 10 feet to 20 feet. So what we try to do is steer the direction that we're not going to have that much loss based on the design to ensure that we are trying to produce and make it as innovative as possible so we can kind of streamline that process. Post-COVID, supply chain disruptions have still been an issue. You know, what kind of strategies have you put in place to ensure a really resilient supply chain on your end? I think for us, the first initial shock, like everybody, was, right, okay, how can we get things? When can we get things? And how much more are things going to cost? For us, I think it was about the ability to have the buying power to procure the material that we needed to make sure that we were sustainable for our clients. But I also feel that we haven't been impacted, again, post-COVID a couple of years now. Our supply chain, we're not, we're not really seeing anything for us. I know that some of the pump manufacturers and some of the, the actual filtration components still seem to be a little bit you know, behind from what I'm hearing from the industry. But for us, I think that we're not experiencing that as of right now. I know on your end, I mean, you're involved in a lot of high-end projects. Could you discuss any of the current industry trends that you see right now happening in pool construction that involve acrylic design? 
I think right now simplicity is actually, you know, there, you're always going to get the wow factor. There's always going to be several projects a year that are going to tip the scales based on what your normal day-to-day order is going to be. But right now, I think the trend that we're starting to see is simplicity, where before, you know, we were having clients trying to do an entire 50, 60 foot negative edge out of acrylic. I think now they're looking at the potential of breaking that up in smaller pieces where they're not paying a premium for the larger size, as well as trying to highlight lighting, you know, lighting and outdoor atmosphere, especially at night seems to be a big trend that we're seeing. So we're seeing a lot of trend bucking up for spa windows, specifically, you know, not very large, just enough to use the acrylic as a light fixture to add another dynamic to the yard is what we're starting to see a lot right now. Yeah, we see those in a lot of resort style, like oversized spas. And it's interesting to see that, you know, consumers are eager to bring that same experience into the backyard. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I I think right now, post-COVID, going back to that kind of topic, what I think, at least that I've seen, is the the explosiveness that's happened in the industry with the overall outdoor living and backyard retreat, right? That's kind of what we've seen. And I think that that trend is just getting larger, right? Where we're starting to see more of the immersive vacation, as we so-unquote call it, right? But I think that there's a lot of people that are looking at their home as their, you know, sanctuary. And that's where they want to spend their time. From what we're seeing, it seems like the investors and the builders are kind of are, are trending in that direction. In that train of thought, I mean, where do you see the future of this segment of the industry headed within like the next five to 10 years? It depends on the different market. You know, I think the high rise market is still going to stay again because of the intimacy we were talking about where you've got that ability. You know, and a lot of times people don't go down 50 stories to go use a resort pool. I know that sounds a little bit posh, but at the same time, if you're spending that level of money to get to that view, a lot of times people are very kind of, they want to stay by themselves. You know, they want to be home. They want to experience what they have. And they don't necessarily want to network and always be in the mix of people. So I think that solitude is a little bit nice. From the public standpoint, Vegas, where I'm based, we're running through a lot of different challenges. The challenges there are water restrictions. You know, we're out in the middle of the desert and Clark County Water Authority came back and said that a lot of the pools in our area only have a maximum square footage of 500 square feet of water from a footprint on the entire property. So I think what that's allowing designers to do is to, you know, we're getting a lot more calls now to kind of involve the acrylic because it is a higher end item where you can get a lot of impact in a smaller footprint of a pool by adding an acrylic window. Yeah, I was aware of those uh, residential swimming pool size restrictions, and it's really great insights that you offer about how people are trying to maximize their pool buying dollar by building a more elaborate pool if it's going to have a smaller footprint. Certainly makes a lot of sense. I think they're adding a lot more unique elements. You know, we start talking about different water features, fire features, and lighting is a big driver right now. You know, I see more trends with lighting and us being that transparent basic lens, right? It adds and yields to designers to be able to take a look at us from a day standpoint, as well as what it looks like at night. I mean, pools always come alive at night. And to be able to have essentially this giant lens, whether it be eight feet or 30 feet, just adds a whole other dynamic. Uh, Thanks so much for sharing a little bit of insight as to what your company specializes in and for sharing a little bit of your story and your specialty with us. Really appreciate having you on the show today, Jason. No problem. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have left today. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow, and we'll catch you on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Pal Lighting is a globally distributed line of wirelessly controlled underwater LED lighting and controls for pools, spas, landscapes, water features, 
and outdoor accent lighting. Our passion is to be able to light up any space, whether it's a pool or spa, an outdoor living area, or anything else in between. The result is the most powerful, reliable, and diverse line of wirelessly controlled lights in the aquatics industry that are fully compatible with today's major pool automation systems. Light up the night with PAL Lighting. Ready to learn more? Visit us on the web today at pallighting.com.